Welcome to the Seek 24 podcast. My name is John Michael Lucido, and this podcast will feature some of our favorite podcasters recorded live at the Spoke Street Media Booth during Seek 24 in St. Louis. We hope these give you a glimpse of the energy and passion from the conference and help you in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hello, Seek. Thank you, guys. There we go. There we go. Thank you guys for coming out. That's not how we normally start. It's not. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. (laughs) Thank you guys for coming out. We really appreciate it. Mother is so nervous, and I just wanted to point that out. She's, She's like shaking. <laughs> and this is video too, so people can see it. Oh, good. I Look didn't know that Look at that beautiful big smile. <laughs> um, so uh, we also have, of course, with us here, Father Boniface Hicks, who has been on the podcast before with Mother, with both of us one time, I think, with you as well, one time. And uh, I came j- out today. He came on today? Like the episode that came out today. Oh, the episode that came out today. Yeah, okay, yeah. there we mm-hmm. go. Mother tracks these things I don't. Um, so thank you, Father Boniface. I, I really do think it's also appropriate that we're sitting on either side of Mother. Um, where We really are like, hopefully two angels, but one much dirtier than the other, sitting on either side of her shoulder <laughs> that, 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 that guides her in her life. Father Boniface, um, Mother Natalia flees to many times um, to, to have a, a tender-hearted, more tender than me even, tender-hearted, um, softening of her soul. So thank you, Father Boniface, for loving someone You're I so love good. so much. You're and, so good. Uh, for, for taking care of her when I can't or don't or for whatever reason I'm, are unable to. Um, so yes, this is Mother's first Sikh since she was showing her hair. That's true, yeah. She came here as a college student. I came last year. Any of you that were here, I podcasted since she couldn't come. I podcasted with Cameron Frad. Um, and then I came here, I think, six, seven years ago when I was in Indianapolis, for those of you that are older, and podcasted with the Catholic Stuff You Should Know guys and Leah Darrow and some other guys. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, so I want to share a really funny story to kick this off, and it just happened right out there. Um, so to lead up to the story, we had a, when I was, and I've probably shared this story before, but in our Byzantine Catholic Church, we, we bless the nearest body of water on January 6th. So on the Feast of the Baptism of Christ, we go to the nearest body of water and bless it because if every single church does this, then all the bodies of the water of the entire world are blessed by priests. So when I was in Denver, we would walk a mile down to a wash park and we would bless there. And one day it was snow on the ground, it was Colorado. And here we are walking with crosses and candles and processing and singing. And we get to there and these two men are jogging in the freezing cold. And so they're breathing heavily. And one of the guys says to the other one, when he sees our big procession coming down, he goes, something really good or really bad just happened. And it was like, (laughs) this is the impression of a procession of people vested. Something really good or really bad just happened. I was walking in just now. And as I'm walking in, this woman pulls up and she's delivering pizza. And so whoever ordered pizza runs out there to greet her. And the woman looks so like, thankful that she didn't have to come in because there's people going in, coming out. It's this absolute madhouse of people. That's so she goes, oh, thank you so much. And she looks at me and my cassock and all these young adults. And she goes, is this Comic-Con? <laughs> I was like, like it's, it's a really lot better funny. than that. Right, right. So it was like, no, no, it's like a Catholic convention. I'm like, but we kind of look like Comic-Con. I mean, we, we look like we're dressed up for something and it's a bunch of young people. So thank you for being young people. And thanks to all of our nuns and clergy for actually dressing like we're at Comic-Con. We should be, of course, because close enough. 
Um, so yes, Father Boniface, uh, how many Sikhs have you been to? This is my first one this too. This is your first one. God bless you, amen, amen. Well, I, we're a little bit short on time this time, so I wanna jump right into the topic. Um, where is my notes? I was just texting somebody, I lost them. There we go. All right, so. This is the Sikh miracle. Father Michael actually made notes for this episode. Because I, I, I said that she was nervous only to cover my own nervousness. So I made notes, so I wouldn't forget anything. I want to start out by asking um, our Beth. If, so if you've ever written in, DM'd our podcast, this is Beth right in the middle. Um, she's so good on our media team and she'll write right back to you. And if you DM or comment on any of our social media, um, Beth has a bunch of stickers. By the way, do we know who the artist is? Magali. Yes. I, is she here? Magali? Magali? Oh, thank you, Magali. Very nice. Yes. So, <laughs> amen. Amen. She's an amazing artist and, and the way she portrays our personality. So, she drew a picture of Mother Natalia a long time ago. And basically, Beth's going to start handing out the stickers to you. Um, I hope we have enough. If we don't, I have a few in my pocket for afterwards. But basically, if you guys remember, those of you that are, are listeners, Mother Natalia, one episode, shared how frustrated she is sometimes with St. Teresa Little Flower because she's just rainbows and butterflies and, and all this sappy stuff. So I said, you know who's going to greet you when you enter heaven is going to be St. Teresa Little Flower, you know, because you're going to have all this frustration with her, and then she's going to greet you before St. Peter does, before Jesus does, is going to greet you. So you, you, you drew a picture of Mother Natalia being greeted by St. Teresa in heaven, and it was hilarious. The, <laughs> the look on Mother's face, you could tell it was her. You could tell it was Teresa Little Flower. She got my eye roll perfectly. The eye roll was perfect. <laughs> Mother's still resisting being hugged by Teresa Little Flower. And so we, we have stickers, and then so we're like, well, we need one of Father Michael, too. So we basically just did a brainstorm. So... As many of you know, I have a snake. Her name is Georgia and I love her immensely and she tolerates me. So basically we said, since I'm Irish, we wanted a picture of me with my snake, Georgia. And since St. Patrick cast all the snakes out of Ireland, it was gonna be me holding Georgia and then St. Patrick scowling at me, getting mad at me for having a snake since he cast all the snakes out of Ireland. And so- So this is an extremely esoteric sticker. Yes, they're both are. That's why I'm explaining them before I give them to you. <laughs> um, so she drew this great picture of Georgia kissing me on the cheek, like around, and me with a big smile on my face and St. Patrick just scowling at me. And it was only today that I thought, this is the perfect sticker for our personalities. Because as we've shared a million times, mother definitely tends towards scrupulosity in, and, and, and the self-criticism that comes along with it. And I tend towards presumption. I can't imagine doing anything wrong that Jesus wouldn't forgive me instantly for. And this can be very debilitating sometimes because it's a false confidence and a false humility, namely it's pride. And that's how, that, it, it's a very happy life, but sometimes <laughs> it's too happy because I'm too laid back about these things. So I thought, what a beautiful thing, because as some of you know, my favorite quote from Jane Chong Chrysostom is, every good homily should comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. In one homily, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And so mother, in a sense, to over overgeneralize is the afflicted who needs to be comforted by St. Teresa Little Flower and me and Father Boniface. And I am the one who's too comfortable that need to be afflicted by St. Patrick scowling at me, whatever it is. So, and Mother Natalia. Thank you. They're absolutely beautiful. So please take a sticker. And we have our we have our logo on there as well. But it made me think, because I love about Sikh. One thing about Sikh is that you you young people especially, you're reminded over and over and over again that Jesus loves you. That is like the message. Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And the first week I went to, I realized 
that I'm not the audience for that message because I assume that and it, it keeps me from real repentance, from actual real repentance. And that, that's, that's a downfall I have. Um, so there's, within our personalities of mother and I, there's a, in a sense a paradox that works very well, I think, in the podcasting mode because as we talk. Um, so I wanted to share with you, and I'll kick it off. I promise I'll let you guys talk in a moment. Um, but if any of you went to the talk by Simone Rizkala, Simone Rizkala is a very close friend of mine. She's Armenian and Egyptian. She gave a talk on Armenia. She also gave a talk just recently. Some of you that were at her talk. Um, Simone is my little prophetess. And so she, she loves speaking beautiful words into my life. And one time she went to a convention where they were doing prophecy. So basically you would submit a name and then somebody, again, you got to be careful with this. Of course you do. And it's not my spirituality necessarily, but someone would, would take a name on a card, just a first name, that's it. And would, would pray and then would write out a little message for that person. Now, Simone had them do one for me. And obviously I believe this is in the Holy Spirit. So it's what I need, need to hear, but it is so not what I need to hear. But it obviously is, I'm in denial about this. So I'm gonna read this to you. And all this person had was the name Michael. That's all they had, no Father Michael, nothing. And this is, this is what she sent to me and she just handed this to me today. She had texted it to me earlier. I hear God saying, you are a good father. I'm gonna start crying, I'm not gonna start crying. I hear God saying, you are a good father. I don't know if that's meant to apply to you as a literal father, as a spiritual father, or in some other way but God is saying that you carry fatherhood well and you represent God the Father well in this way. People who encounter you have their false perceptions of God rewritten and come to know the goodness of God on a new level. You have a gift for unity, for uniting what is divided and especially for uniting people. You are comfortable standing in a place of seeming contradiction and perhaps receive criticism for doing so, but you stand there because you see the potential for unity and reconciliation that others can't see until it happens. The scripture verse of 1 John 3 verse 1 comes to mind as encouragement for you in this season. See what love the Father has bestowed on us that we may be called the children of God, yet so we are. Blessings in Christ, the good words team. So it's those moments where I'm like, okay, I probably do need to hear this because there's probably even though there's some false confidence there, there is something deep about what that looks like. So I would love to hear both of your reflections, maybe you first, Father Boniface, if, if you're able to, since you know her so well, you know me a little bit less. I would love to hear within the, basically the message I want is if we truly knew that God loved us and knew how he loved us, what potential we would have, what could we accomplish if we truly, truly knew that? And I would love for you to speak to that in general or in relation to Mother Natalia, where, where you have seen her potential for understanding God's love for her and what that looks like when that bears fruit, if you will, in the confidence that comes from that love. Well, I think it's a great message to be reiterated again and again at SEEK about God's love because Although there can be a level of confidence that you have, and I also have, one of the beautiful places of growth for us is to find those places that maybe we're not as confident that we're loved. And uh, 
I know that's been a real journey for me. I think especially as priests and, you know, any position of power, we can kind of arrange our lives in a way that we don't encounter those places in our hearts as much. We can sort of spend more time with this group of people who really loves us and reiterates the message that we want and a little less time with this group of people that challenges us and is hard for us. But to uh, find those places in our hearts where we are still thirsty for God's love is a real gift. And one of the things that's been certainly a blessing for me in getting to know Mother is, is she is so in touch with those places. And I experience this a lot in spiritual direction, people who are willing to share the places in their hearts where they're not as confident that they're loved. And the gift that it is to speak love into that, as I know, you know, happens in a moment, but also only happens over time. And it's, it's actually where I really want to affirm your fatherhood because you have been such a constant, consistent presence of the father's love in mother's life. And your constancy and dependability that she knows what she's gonna get when she turns to you. And there's a way that that can only happen over time because, well, I had lots of encounters with people and I hope I've spoken some love into their hearts even here, but what about tomorrow and next week and next month? And if they knew this about me and if this thing came up and, and so the consistency over time is, is so essential as well. But then just again to say like, it's such a gift to be able to speak that love. I think of it as God has a lot of love for us, but he chooses to communicate that through people in our lives. And obviously parents play a particular role, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers play a particular role, uh, coaches and teachers and uncles and aunts. And, and it's such a privilege to be entrusted with God's love for a person and to be able to speak that love into their hearts. But that depends on them being able to open those places of sensitivity, those places of affliction, those places of question and doubt. And so it's a, it's a, the thing that's, I think, uh, very beautiful about mother is that she has those places, but she also knows where those places are and she knows how to open those places. And then it's such a gift to be able to speak that. And I think for, you know, someone like you, and I, I think also for someone like me that might be a little bit more confident we get to be in the position so often of, of sharing that overflowing confidence with a, with a tender heart, with a hesitant heart. <clears throat> Any thoughts at all? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to share an experience I had on the flight out here. Uh, can you guys hear me okay? Okay. Um, so, because even though I, I often struggle uh, to know that love for myself, uh, there are moments in which I'm secure in it. And and the beauty of those moments is I've realized that when I'm feeling secure in the Lord's love for me, I'm not as much needing to or feeling the need to to grasp at that um, that validation or that love from the people around me and in encounters with them. And the Lord still gives that to me through encounters with people around me. But when it's given as gift and I'm not grasping at it, that feels like a very different situation. So on the on the flight here uh, from Cleveland to St. Louis, I sat next to this woman and uh, and I was feeling really good on the flight. I was feeling like really sure of the Lord's love for me and and wanting to be present to just whoever he he placed in front of me. And this was a rare moment in which I was able to actually do that. Uh, and so the woman next to me 
starts starts talking. She asks first, like, she finds out that I'm a nun, and she's very interested in that. And uh, I find out that she is Buddhist, but is exploring Christianity at this point. And as she's talking with me, in the first, um, probably the first two minutes that we're talking, she just starts weeping. And, uh, and, and then she says, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know why I'm so emotional about this. I think I just feel so seen. And, and then she cries for the next 30 minutes, which is pretty much any spiritual direction I ever have. So, um, and, and as she's crying and I'm just constantly having, like coming back to, to, to thanking her for the gift of, of opening her heart to me, because I know that's very scary. It's very vulnerable. Um, and, and to realize the gift that it is to have someone open their heart to you and to be able to speak love into those places of fear, um, I think can give us the courage to do that ourselves, um, both with the people around us and with the, with the Lord directly, um, because we need to be doing that in prayer as well, right? It's not, it's not only a matter of, uh, letting our spiritual fathers and our spiritual mothers speak into those places in our hearts. We also need to be working towards, uh, yeah, doing that with the Lord in prayer. You know, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to stop you and to tell you, like, I, I want to hear, I want to hear a moment where you've been, you've been like in control. Like I want, I want, I want you to, you to tell a story about when you like somehow you used anything in you that, that that's confident to, to lead others. So this is, this is something, and you did, you did. Um, I, I may encourage you further as we go along, but um, this leads very well into the next thing. Um, any priests here? Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> were you were you at were you at uh, Monsignor Shea's luncheon talk? So he gave out these beautiful these beautiful uh, fathers love them through me litany for priests and seminarians, and I loved it because it there's a few passages in here. I got to find the one that I marked up. <laughs> there's a few passages in here. Found it. Thank you, Lord. Um, that that are are very very convicting, and I almost I knew he wasn't going to do it, so I didn't ask him. I wanted to tell Father Boniface. Um, Father Boniface, in what ways do you know that I have failed Mother Natalia? And that, I, I just mean like, I know, no, he, I'm sure he knows some. I just don't know he's, he wouldn't say them. But, but, that, but this is what I'm saying. This is what I need. So listen, listen to some of these litanies. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. But this is, again, put out by the Sisters of Life. And it's, it's basically what a priest would pray. So it starts out by saying, this is called unleashing, unleashing the Father's love. And I'll read the first few, then I'm going to jump around to the ones that are the most convicting for me. In the places of my heart that haven't received the gospel, then the litany repeat, Jesus, love me there. In the places that are dead and in the tomb, Jesus, Jesus love, love me, me there. there. In the places where I continue to sin, Jesus, Jesus love, love me there. I'm going to jump ahead. In the places where I am filled with shame and cannot raise my eyes to you, Jesus, Jesus love, love me there. there. In the places that are blocked because of pain or fear. Jesus, Jesus love me there. In that place in my family that is messy, frustrating, and broken. Jesus, Jesus love me there. In this situation or relationship that is impossible. Jesus, Jesus love me there. And then each priest has thousands of souls entrusted to his care. For these souls I pray. For every penitent I will, resolve, I will absolve. 
Father, Father love, love them, them through me. me. For every person who will look to me for guidance and affirmation. Father, Father love, love them, them through me. me. For those who seem to be unattractive, irritating, or unlovable to me. Father, Father love, love them, them through me. me. Every time I am tempted to rely on my own strengths and talents. Father, Father love, love them, them through me. me. In every daily duty, mundane in its works. Father, Father love them, them through me. me. For every unborn child whose life I alone will acknowledge. Father, Father love them, them through me. me. For every person abandoned or wounded by their earthly father. Father, Father love them, them through me. me. For all the souls entrusted to my priesthood whom I will never meet. Father, Father love them, them through me. me. For every person who will call me Father. Father, Father love them, them through me. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I, I wow. kind of skipped all the really affirming ones because... Again, in the same way, to comfort the afflicted, there, there's, um, it's almost like, you guys ever heard the litany of humility? Oh, 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 right. It, it is so amazing because it makes you say the words that you don't really want to say. And this is similar to that. There's, there's, there's aspects of my ministry, again, again, this is for priests, aspects of my ministry that I would not even contemplate. Like all those I'm responsible for that I will never meet. I, how often would I think of that? But we priests, most of us who are diocesan, we're in charge of a certain geography, right? With like all the Catholic souls in this region are mine and I will be held accountable for them. Like if I'm not praying for them, there's a real detriment, you know? Um, and then, you know, there's those that I find unattractive. It's really hard. I mean, hard. I, I, we walk around here and basically we should have had this conversation first, but for all of you beautiful people that did recognize us when we were walking around, it's like, who do we stop and talk to when we need to get to lunch or get to the next thing? You know, how much time can we spend? Like, these are discernments that are really, really hard to make. We need to make sure that we're not making them based upon anything surface. You know, this person looks like they've been entertaining conversation or this person I know is funny or whatever. Like, we can't do that. We're, we're, we're actually purged from any selfishness. Like, for the, for the, for any, semblance of self-reliance, you know, from those times, there's this, this beautiful conviction. I think if we basically, if we understood God's love for us, we'd be able to say this much more confidently than we do. And those things wouldn't be so startling to us. I want to, I want to give a little bit of um, pushback on something you just said do it. Uh, with all due respect, because uh, actually what really moved me as y'all were praying this um, is something that we were talking about in, we recorded a, an episode earlier today uh, with our friend Kristen. And in that we were talking about uh, this concept of spiritual bypassing, which you can hear if you listen to that episode. But one of the things that we were talking about is part of the problem with trying to jump past the reality of what we're feeling um, because we can get caught in this this trap of thinking, I shouldn't be feeling this right now. Uh, we're ashamed of feeling this particular thing. I'm not supposed to think this thing about God. I'm not supposed to question God. I'm not supposed to have this struggle. And so we try to just like, we'll we'll just give these platitudes to trying to try to skip past the things that we're actually feeling. And part of the problem with that is our God is a God of reality, and so reality is the only place we can encounter Him. And so if we're trying to live in this place that's, that's imaginary, uh, if we're trying to live in this place of feeling of the things that we're not actually feeling, instead of acknowledging the reality of what we're feeling, 
then we're missing this place that we could be encountering him. And at one point you just said, Father, uh, Father Michael, that um, you're praying to be purged of these things, but actually nothing in here is a prayer for being purged of the things. You're saying in this place of failure, Jesus loved me there. Mm. Um, and, and for, for the, the unattractive, for the unattractive um, person, for the, the abandoned and wounded person, Jesus loved them through me. You're not saying, um, yeah, you're not asking him to take away the addiction. You're not asking him to take away the places that are dead and in the tomb. Uh, you're not even asking him to, to resurrect those places. You're asking him to love you there. And I think there's, there's this great beauty in, in like, yes, that's what we want, right? We want to be purged of the sin, but we can't be purged of the sin unless we're letting him first love us there. You know, we've talked before about how the beauty of praying the Jesus prayer with our breathing. Um, one of the beauties is that if we, I like to pray it by um, breathing in Lord Jesus Christ, breathing out son of God, breathing in have mercy on me and breathing out a sinner. And in doing so, um, in that second half, we're first breathing in his mercy and then breathing out the sin because we can get caught in this trap, I think also of, well, I need to get this sin out of my life in order to, I need to stop doing this thing in order to then approach, approach God and ask him for his mercy and ask him to, to, for his healing and his forgiveness. Um, but we can't even actually acknowledge the sin, much less start being purified of it unless we first allow his mercy to enter in. Um, yeah. That was actually on my list. So thank you for, no, I was, I, I was probably going to skip it. So thank you. Because there's something that she said in the podcast we recorded earlier today, that you guys will hear in a few weeks. There was something about how we are so willing to tell our testimony if we've already undergone healing. So if we're done with it. So I, I'll share the story as long as I'm better. And obviously, obviously many of us are tempted to do that in confession. We go, and I've, I've done it myself. This isn't only what I hear. I've done it myself where I go, oh, I, 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 I messed up, but I'm better now. I've been good for the past few days, whatever it is. You know, I gossiped about this person, but then I finally told them and I apologized. I said, but whatever it is, you know, I, I use the very surface ones to not go deeper, but, um, you know, there, there's, there's these things, but we, we, we want to, we want to tell the priest I'm done. I'm over, I'm healed. And that's not why we're in confession. We're in confession to be healed, or like you said, mother, to be loved in that moment. And so the same thing is true for testimony. Um, how, can we, how can we say in the midst of my testimony when it is proper to say, I am still struggling? We do that within community. We do that within, God's not gonna just take this away. He's gonna love me in the midst of it. This, this struggle may be the cross that heals me. So I wanna read right now. This is from our Byzantine Compline. It struck me recently. We pray this every single night. I've prayed this a million times and it, it, there's certain aspects of it that just strike me. But, but we, it, we began with a prayer to the mother of God. And by the way, when this is being prayed at Compline, which is night prayer, it's being prayed usually in the midst of a community. I'm not always with my community, so I pray it alone. But, but you are oftentimes, imagine the father or the mother of a community, the one who everybody's looking up to, and they pray this prayer. Basically, it's a ritualized way of saying, I'm a total mess. And you say it in front of the entire community. And at this point in the evening, you're basically saying, I struggle with unchastity. And so if every one of us struggles with unchastity, especially late at night, literally the leader of the community is standing in front of an icon of the mother of God and praying this prayer, reading off of it. And he begins, or she begins, O chaste and spotless lady, never touched by blame or corruption or defilement 
or bride of the Most High himself. So you're about to say, I am weak. And you start out by saying, you never sinned. And how intimidating is that to say, if I'm really struggling, do I want to talk to someone who never failed? If I have failed a million times, do I really want to go talk to someone who's never failed? That's how we are with Christ. And so it's hard to say, why would I go to Jesus? He doesn't understand. The scripture is explicit. He does understand, right? He is the high priest who understands us. And the same thing is true for the mother of God through his grace. But just listen for a moment about how the priest or the, or the hegumena, whoever is in charge here is, is admitting their weakness and their sin to the entire community so that as a community, they can be healed. And this ideally, you can say this more confidently if you know Jesus loves you. Like if you know he's going to heal you, he knows you're going to give you, then we can in a sense unleash all of these hesitations. So I'll try to read it a bit quickly because it's longer than I would like for this for this uh, <laughs> moment. The priest just complained about how long the prayer is. You brought forth the word of God into this world, we'll talk to the mother of God now, in a marvelous and mysterious way, thus uniting him to us and joining our nature to the divine. You are the only hope of those who have no hope, always ready to come to the aid of every Christian who seeks refuge in you. Though I have often defiled myself with all sorts of impurities, thoughts and words and deeds, though slothfulness has enslaved me to lust, Though I often find myself weighed down by despair and depression, do not despise me. As the mother of God, your heart is filled with love and compassion for all mankind. Therefore, pity me in spite of my sinfulness. Accept this prayer from these impure lips of mine. With boldness that only a mother could manifest, implore your son, our Lord and God, to show me his deep and tender mercy. Entreat him not to regard the numberless times I have fallen, but to lead me to true repentance that as his friend and follower, I may be always conscious of his precepts and ever ready to observe them. And you, sweet lady, in your graciousness, stay with me. Take my part at all times. Enable me to repel all temptations to achieve my eternal salvation. At the moment of my death, embrace and comfort my sorry soul. Drive off the terrifying specters of the evil one. On that awesome day of judgment, save me from everlasting punishment Reveal me as a true heir of that ineffable glory which your son has promised in his grace and his love. To him, to his eternal father, to his all holy, good, and life-creating spirit is to all glory, honor, and worship now and ever and forever. Amen. And I just think, again, you're the leader of a community. You're telling everybody that I'm going to go to battle like you are. And when we go to bed, which is this prayer is right before bed, I'm going to struggle with self-hatred. I'm going to struggle with lust and unchastity. I'm going to struggle with condemning others. I'm going to struggle with all the things that come with my body getting weaker as I fall asleep. My spirit also gets weaker. And to be able to admit that, not only to yourself, but to the entire community of those who look up to you as a mother or as a father is just so beautiful. And I think that's one of the results of when we really do know that God loves us. The, the amount of honesty and humility and accurate self-gazing we can do at that moment to be able to hand these things to Christ and have him deal with them and love us there as you corrected me mother there's just something so incredibly beautiful but it, I would not give this prayer to someone who really really struggled with knowing God's love for them should I father mother should I, I the liturgy know. does the church does <laughs> no you're right the church yeah. does it guides us but yeah 
I, I guess, so I guess you're right because I'm wrong because, <laughs> because the reason is, is because I'm thinking that I'm the one to heal them. Whereas yeah. it's God that's going to heal them. It's God that's going to talk to them. He's going to convict them through the words of the liturgy of the church, not my inspiration or getting anything from me. Yeah. Well, I think again, the more that we are in touch with those places in our hearts, we have to find people to whom we can bring them to receive what we need to receive. And we need to find the Lord to be able to receive from him what we need to receive. And, and as much as those places touch the tombs in our hearts, as much as they touch the afflictions that we bear, they, they name all of the things. You know, it's, as you said, Jesus is the one who is tempted in every way. As it says in the letter to the Hebrews, thank God I'm not tempted in every way. Uh, I know the ways that I'm tempted and that prayer is, does a good job at covering the various ways that I'm tempted. But there are more things in that prayer that I'm not tempted with. But it's good to bring out the things that I am tempted with or that I have been tempted with. And then I can bring that to the Lord for, for his comfort in the affliction. And, uh, and I think that, you know, the, the places, well, we tend to bear shame around some of these places where we feel unlovable. You know, one way to define shame is feeling unworthy of love and connection, very simply. So finding the places of shame where we are also the places where we can really receive love. And then that can become the place of, of communion. And that's why the liturgy is also so interested in bringing these things out that, uh, and, and like with the sacrament of confession, you know what you said about people want to come. I, I had some confessions where, you know, it's like, I, I said a little bit into it, you're really telling me all your best qualities, you know, like, um, and that's lovely, but- You literally is, said that? I, I did, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was appropriate in the context. Yeah, and, and the person really smiled and, and was like, Oh, I guess I am. And I said, this is the place where you can really bring all of your worst qualities because that's where God wants to love you right now. And, and I want to communicate that love to you. But that's our temptation. We want to put our best foot forward. We want to show off all of our best things as the three of us are doing right now. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> so we, we put our best things forward because that's where we're confident that we're loved. But the, the faith keeps inviting us to find the places where we feel most unlovable, where we feel the most shame, where we are struggling in the, in the deepest ways, because God wants us to know that in those places also we are loved. And that love needs to be communicated. You know, again, he can do that by his grace and we do that in the liturgy and that resounds, but so often, uh, well, grace always builds on nature and the, the natural bonds of love that we experience with each other are part of the communication of that as well. I want to say something first. Thanks. Uh, so I was thinking of the, the prophecy that Simone passed on to you um, as you were sharing about how the difficulty of praying this prayer uh, as the priest or as the hegumen or the hegumena um, to, to pray this to one who is perfect, right? To say, um, oh, chaste and spotless lady. And to then list all of the ways of imperfection and that, that difficulty and the fear of approaching perfection with our own imperfection. Um, and I think that's like, that's part of the truth of this prophecy that you were granted when it says, um, you represent God the Father well. People who encounter you have their false perceptions of God rewritten. 
and come to know the goodness of God on a new level. You have a gift for unity, for uniting what is divided. Because as you're sharing this, I'm thinking of like, part of the most healing aspect, one of the most healing aspects of our relationship has been, you've been my spiritual father for almost 13 years now. And, um, and as you've shared throughout this episode, we are very different people. We have very different struggles. Um, and, and so it's been at times difficult for me to bring to you the things that I struggle with, because I know you have no firsthand experience of this. And, um, I know that, (laughs) I know that you're sinful. I know that (laughs) you fell off the pedestal a long time ago. (laughs) And, but, um, but like not with the same, the same struggles and the same sins that I have, um, but you have without fail, to go back to the, the consistency that Father Boniface was talking about, you've without fail um, received me in those places, loved me in those places. And in doing so, have given me the courage to approach God the Father. Um, knowing that without experiencing sin, he can still love me in those places. Um, and, and in that way, in you, in you loving me in my brokenness, um, in a brokenness that's different for your, from yours, um, I think that really helps to, like this gift of un- unity, uniting what's divided, like that very much is, is a, a unification of the division of the heart. Um, which is just another experience of, of the love of the Father. Like, that's, that's all he wants to do. That's why, that's why um, the mystery of penance, the sacrament of confession, is, like, it's listed in the catechism as one of the sacraments of healing um, because it's meant to heal. It's meant to, to unify what's divided. Um, and, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, that was the perfect application of calling upon the chaste one in my unchastity or for the perfect one in a much less, much less of a disparity, disparity of reality. But anyway, thank you. Love you. Um, I read this the other day on Twitter and it made me think of like, I would love for someone to walk into confession. Five minutes. Thank you, Beth. Um, I would love for someone to walk into confession and say like, here's the sin I had 30 seconds ago. You know, and I, I, I know this because, or that I'm like still mulling over my head, like I'm angry right now, whatever it may be. And it made me think of Alcoholics Anonymous, who, because they have, they rejoice if someone has been sober for like an hour and walks in there. And, and I love this, this I just saw on, on Twitter, so I'm gonna read it. And I don't know who this is, so don't quote me on, on the goodness of this guy, but an alcoholic friend of Philip Yancey once said to him, when I'm late to church, people turn around and stare at me with frowns of disapproval. I get the clear message that I am not as responsible as they are. When I'm late to AA, the meeting comes to a halt and everyone jumps up to hug me and welcome me. They realize that my lateness may be a sign that I almost didn't make it. When I show up, it proves that my desperate need for them went out over my desperate need for alcohol. I thought, how... How convicting is that for a Christian to say, if someone comes late, it may be because they almost didn't come, you know, and, and something in them actually had them come in. If they, if they walk into the confessional, it's not because you're doing well. 
it's because you're a mess like the rest of us. And, and, and it, we, we priests who hear confessions need to be reminded of that. I hear horror stories all the time, and I'm sure I've been tempted to do it myself, to get frustrated by something. And I, it's not me that confessional, it's Jesus, and it's his body, the church, and he would never say those things. But we just need to be reminded sometimes about how the decisions people make and how hard it is sometimes for those things in, in, what, in whatever way they sin. So. That's interesting. Those places of judgment are likely, you know, I'm not late for church, and so I'm going to yeah. judge you who are late for church. Yeah. So it happens to be one place. So again, sort of this complementarity. You know, if, if you look down on mother for all of the things she couldn't do that you can do, this relationship would have lasted five minutes. But the very fact that we can love people in their weakness and, and strength and weakness, I, I like to say beauty is formed in complementarity and proper balance. That's philosophy, that's not me. But that includes strength and weakness. I think strength by itself can be very ugly and weakness by itself can mm -hmm. be very ugly. But when strength and weakness come together, they form communion and beauty. And so our strength should be seeking out the weakness of those who need that strength. And our weakness should be exposed to be at the service of or in need of those who have the strength to offer to us. And then it's sort of like puzzle pieces, you know, knobs and holes and the pieces fit together, the knobs fit into the holes and the whole collection of strengths and weaknesses fits together in the human family to make up the face of Christ on the picture of that puzzle. And so if we can see, but our temptation is to sort of gather up around our strength, cut off our weaknesses, shove them somewhere, judge everybody else's weaknesses, and then we just have widening gaps between us. But when that strength and weakness comes together in complementarity, it just forms something so beautiful, like you're sure. I want you to have the last word, Mother, um, but I, I do want to say one thing. Uh, this story I told recently somewhere else, and it was, it, it, I, when you said, Father, like, I'm not late, so I judge those who are late, and that's just how we are, and we don't understand the differences between strengths and weaknesses. Um, this gave me so much joy, and it sounds horrible, but it gave me so much joy. Um, so you guys ever heard of Leah Darrow? And she is such an amazing mother. She has like six kids now. At the time, she had four. And she tells this story where she, Ricky was a firefighter, and so he was working. And so she was at church. Two of the four kids were sick, and she's in the back of the church. And so one of the kids just starts screaming. So she grabs all four kids, and she walks into the narthex. And as she's holding the screaming one, the second kid just starts puking everywhere in the narthex. So she says she's holding the screaming child, and she's trying to figure out a way, how do I go to the bathroom with three other children and get something to start cleaning up this mess that this kid has made? And she says, as she's about ready to despair, she looks over, the third child has his pants around his ankles and he's urinating in the corner <laughs> of the entryway to the church. And <laughs> she said, finally, one of the ushers ran over, was like, just point out which one you want me to handle first. <laughs> and I just thought, like, people don't understand, like, well, when we judge kids in church or whatever it is, like the, 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 all the strengths and the weaknesses are different. So use your strengths to help out someone else's weaknesses and they can use their weaknesses to help out your strengths. And it's just, it's, it's the, the difference between our personalities. It, it's the, how the whole body of Christ comes together to say, you know, I don't need to be Father Mike Schmitz. I don't need to be Sister Bethany. I don't need to be Mother Natalia. I don't need to be Father Boniface. You know, that they're all within the body of Christ, we all have our strengths and weaknesses that all fit together to build up the entire, entire body. And it's it's so nice when you realize that and in, in, in great confidence. But 
Sorry, no pressure, but can you finish this with something wise and holy? No pressure. Um, no, I think you should just give us a blessing. <laughs> That's the wisest, the holiest thing. Okay. May Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord send you forth to be truly earthen vessels, confidence in your strengths and confident in your weaknesses. May you be assured of his constant companionship. May you be desirous of his beautiful mercy. May you be confident in the gifts he's given you and may you share those confidently with those who need them. May you truly see yourself as a treasure that God has created exactly how he wanted to and that he fixes and builds up as only he can. May you be confident that the Lord meets you in your weaknesses and will heal you in his time and according to his patience. May always be confident in his love above all else. May he bless you and save your soul. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Bless you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more info on the SEEK conference, visit seek.focus.org. This episode of the SEEK24 podcast was produced by Spoke Street. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.